So welcome to the show. I'm David Speed. I'm Adam Brazier. And this is Creative Rebels. Uh, it's a podcast for creative entrepreneurs. We started our first company, Graffiti Life, in a small garage. Yeah, it wasn't easy. But we built the company up to the stage where now we're regularly working with brands like Disney and Nike. And we've been lucky enough to make art all over the world. On this podcast, we interview successful creators. Their advice will enable you to take action and turn your passion into a career. There's literally been no better time in history to make a career from being creative. So many people are going to tell you that you can't do it, but we're here to tell you that you definitely can. Right, let's do a podcast. Welcome back, Rebels. Yes, welcome back to the show. I know a lot of you listen to us while you're working on creative projects, so we hope your projects are going well. And if you're at work and you're wishing you were somewhere else, what are you can do tonight to work on that project? Yeah, if you are lucky enough to be in a position where you uh, work for someone else, but you can listen to audio, then use that as a as a definite opportunity. Don't get in trouble, but use that as an opportunity for yeah. learning. Get someone else to pay you to learn, which is a, a great idea. Yeah, definitely. I mean, one thing I love about our job is that whenever I'm painting, I can just put an audio book in. Yeah. Um, it's, it's funny, like because I love listening to audiobooks, but if I'm here editing the podcast, I can't do both. And it's so frustrating because what I've actually done before is I've put an AirPod in underneath my big headphones to try and do both at the same time. But absolutely weird. It just doesn't work, unfortunately. I mean, it wouldn't actually surprise me if you're the type of person that would be able to do that, to listen to two audios at the same time. Yeah, I I wish I could. You listen to everything on two times speed. And for me, like, I can get to about 1.25 and now when I edit the podcast, I can get that up to like 1.35 because I found a way to make it so it doesn't sound like a chipmunk voice as it's doing it. Because that's what gets to me, like the weirdness of a voice sped up. It's just practice with the with the 2X thing um, on Audible and I use the Overcast app for podcasts, but there's a lot of podcast apps that you can change the speed. And at first it sounds too fast, but after a couple of hours you, you acclimatise to it. Yeah, I remember watching something with Tim Ferriss where he talked about how to read faster and basically you just force yourself to read really, really quickly for the first 15 minutes and then drop it down to a speed that's lower than that, but that's still faster than your normal speed. It's like if you've ever been in a car and you're going like 80 miles down the motorway, it kind of just stops feeling fast. But then as soon as you come off down a country lane and you're going, say... 30, 40 miles an hour, it feels so fucking slow, even though you're actually still going at quite a good speed. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? The only way I can listen to things faster in audio is to whack it up to like two times, really try and concentrate on listening to it all, and then drop it down to 1.5. And then I can actually cope because my brain's had that kind of intense, just, and then when you slow down a bit, even though it's still way faster than I listen to it normally, it's still possible to do. I think your brain's pretty special like that. Yeah, well, your brain is definitely special. (laughs) London, if you are listening, we are in you. On Thursday, the 6th of June, uh, we'll be on a live panel for The Authentic Project, who on Instagram are... At The Authentic Project underscore... And if you go on there, you'll find the ticket availability and all the information. It's, it's an angel in North London. So if you're around, come by. It should be a really good talk. Some really good guests on the panel. On the panel, there's uh, Eliza Elliott, who is um, from Rude Health. Uh, you've got Simon Lennon, who's an actor and a writer. And Victoria Neve, who's a fitness and body positivity influencer uh, with a massive audience. Um, I think it's going to be a really uh, a really valuable session for the people in attendance. So yeah, head over there and grab your tickets and uh, we will see you in London. Yeah, really looking forward to that. It should be really good. 
Yeah, and our kind of uh, our commitment, which uh, I actually stole off of Tom Billiou, but um, is that we will always stay and answer every question. So every event that we've been to, we've always stayed till the end, um, making sure that every single question is answered. So I know sometimes it's it can be daunting to put your hand up in a Q&A or whatever, but do grab us and most speakers, I think, grab them after they come off stage and and speak to them because the people you meet will change your life. Yeah, we've spoke to loads of people after things and I feel like it's those people you give the most value to because if someone puts their hand up, they generally ask a bit of a, a bit of a vague question that will kind of appeal to a larger group of people. Whereas if it's someone who's got a specific business and a specific problem, it's really nice to be able to help them out with whatever that is that their, their struggles are. Yeah. Yeah, you get that direct interaction. You can kind of see it clicking in real time, which yeah. I really like. And then I guess the most rewarding thing is then hearing back from people after an amount of time where they've they've actually gone and put it into action. Yeah. Cause I think that's that's the thing about this podcast is is like it it feels great to get like really fired up and and you listen to these guests and you're just like, oh shit, I can take over the world. But that's that's kind of a fleeting thing and then then the actual real work starts and it yeah. all comes down to action. It's like listen to this, that's great, but make sure that you are actually putting in the actions needed to get you to where you need to go and to achieving your goals. Yeah, absolutely. If you spend five hours a week listening to stuff that's just hyping you up and you spend no time putting anything into action, then you, you're nowhere further along the road than where you started. I think try and set some kind of boundaries for yourself of whatever you're consuming to get you hyped up, then at least put in the exact same amount of time into the work or like two times that amount. Yes, definitely. Someone who has definitely put the work in is this week's guest, Camilla Ainsworth. And I think this is a really good example of ask your friends for help. We got this guest through Rihanna Lambert, who just asked her after she'd been on the show, like, is there anyone that you'd recommend coming on? And she, she recommended Camilla. So if there's anyone that you want to meet that you know someone else who knows them, just ask. Like, I think do like real life LinkedIn, find those connections, work out how to get to the people that you want to get to know. Yeah, my tactic with LinkedIn at the moment is it's a good finder. But then what I'm really trying to do is turn those connections into real life meetings as mm-hmm. soon as possible, because I just feel like, again, it's people on there are just collecting the numbers and they're like, oh, I've got... Oh, yeah. Like LinkedIn's kind of like a weird place where people are there just to get followers yeah. because it shouldn't be about that at all. It should be people you actually know because otherwise, like I was going through mine the other day, there was someone who I wanted to connect with was a second link or whatever. And I was like, oh, who's the person I know in between? And I was like, I've no idea who that is. I must have just accepted them years ago. And yeah, I've never seen, never talked to them before. No idea who they are. Yeah. So it's a completely pointless thing to have. So I think I need to go through and like cull everyone on there who I don't actually know. The aim of LinkedIn is to is to build your business. And there's probably people on there that you can help them build their business and they can help you build your business. And so, uh, but that, that cold connection through... Uh, computer screen I think it's going to be very rare that those actually turn into real world business results I think setting up meetings with them as soon as possible so like um, what I've been doing is as soon as um, someone connects with me is sending them a message and kind of being like finding out more about them yeah and then from that we can set up a meeting if we think it's going to be mutually beneficial yeah that's a really good tactic I think and also looking at what they do and thinking well, straight away, how can I help them? Like, what can I do for them? So if you see someone and they're in a certain industry, you could be like, well, actually, we've done something similar for someone in this industry before, if you're interested. And yeah. Yeah. So back on track, um, back to this week's guest, Camilla. Um, what a lovely 
bubbly, down to earth, amazing human. Yeah, she's just so she's, fun. Like yeah. I think listening back to this episode, I laughed out loud a lot. Yeah, she's just down to earth and uh, and really honest mm. and she's sort of fully open about like the hard work it it's taken for her to to set up her business. My initial and I, I was completely wrong and I I, I apologize now for it, but before we interviewed her, my my assumption was I wasn't sure how in, uh, useful an interview it was going to be because I thought, oh, here's someone who's just they've got themselves on an, on the Apprentice, and then because of being on the Apprentice, they've they've managed to get themselves yeah. loads of opportunities because being on that platform does open a lot of doors. It's a mm-hmm. it's a sensible thing to do. But in researching her before the interview, I then realised, okay, here's a smart cookie who had a business and was like, how can I springboard this business as fast as possible mm-hmm. and going on the apprentice did that and yeah. and then she was she managed to like get a product ready for for the shelves like within a three-month period and soon as the final aired her product was ready to go onto the shelves which is a, a stroke of genius and it goes to show that she was on the show for the right reasons yeah absolutely her brand milk plus started off as an experiment in her kitchen and is now stocked in holland and barrett stores across the uk Camilla was studying law, but she told us that she was never passionate about that. And it feels like she's really found her calling now with no prior experience really in business, but a constant willingness to learn and improve. She's built a successful brand that's steadily growing. In this episode, we talk about The Apprentice, Milking Nuts, and why Steve Jobs isn't special. You know, I'm just from Blackburn and I always used to think like, oh, well, like I can't do that because like Steve Jobs is special. And he's not, he's just a normal person. Um, and a lot of people are like, well, you know, like you, you're really lucky, like you've got your own business. I'm like, I'm not lucky. I'm just, I've worked really hard for yeah. it. And you can too. It's not, business isn't for special people, it's for everyone. I think, especially when it comes to school, like we're told the way to be and we're all sat in rows. We're told that failure is a bad thing and that everything's got a mark out of 10. If you get a low mark, then that's then that's bad. But really that's just learning and that's like a mm. process that we all need to go through. And I just think that society is, is set up so that everyone fits in a nice little box and they'd much rather if you just went and got a job than... Yeah. Then did your own thing. Yeah. yeah. You didn't learn that you could set up your own business when you were at school, right? Absolutely not. Like, it was so bizarre. The things that you learn about, none of it is what I'm using now. It doesn't feel like any applied business skills mm. that I learned in, say, business studies. You know, it should should be about, you know, learning um, marketing tools and things like that. But instead, it's learning how to spell um, entrepreneurship. Still a struggle. I still yeah. struggle. Yeah. <laughs> Don't ask me. Yeah, it's so bizarre. And we're not told about the options. So for me, it was always go to school, then go to uni, Mm. um, then get a job. And I felt when I finished uni, I didn't go straight into um, a job. I did a year out in Australia. I felt like that was, you know, I was being a bit of a rebel there because it wasn't the done thing. But that's what served me the best. I wouldn't be, I don't think I would be doing my business if it wasn't for that year out or I would be but in five years time so yeah 100% yeah I I really agree with you on that and me and him knock heads on it a little bit but because I've heard you say before that uni taught you life skills but that's that's about it yeah exactly you know it taught me um about myself but it didn't teach me anything that I could apply in the world of business everything Mm. that I've 
learned and done in business I've taught myself because I am keen to learn I am a bit of a sponge like I'm always absorbing information and learning from other people but yeah uni it was the three you know I did law so I'm not using anything there other than you know people skills which is great um, but it's not what makes a business a success have you always been entrepreneurial yeah I would say so so when I was 12 I set up a free range eggs company I had my own chickens I remember doing all the branding myself it was happy chickens lay happy eggs and I'd go go around the neighbours knocking on the doors doing my best um, buy my eggs face Um, yeah and that was you know booming it was really successful and then I did I've got about like a million Instagram accounts honestly from all these things then I had a bulb planting business when I was 14 planting bulbs in people's houses and I knew that was seasonal and I could earn a lot it's like you know ice cream you know when to really focus on that so yeah I've done a few things in in the past didn't come in handy in the gardening task on the apprentice (laughs) I was still useless I stopped those at about 15 and then because when you're in full-time education it's difficult but I always had that flair I think I wasn't amazing at it because I was so young but I was I was keen what do you think gave you that flair I don't know I think I like my dad's quite um influential to me so he he's got a few businesses and he started from absolutely nothing um got nothing from anyone he just started it from the ground up and he still like makes mistakes all the time and he always used to talk to me about it so I think I've kind of absorbed that but it's so interesting because like I've followed his path and my mum works she's employed and I think that's great as well Uh, and my sister's employed so it's like those two love routine they love working for other people which I think is great you know there's certain types of people and me and my dad uh, could just I think I'm unemployable now (laughs) Um, so I find that so interesting and I just think like is that innate or is it because you know you just grown up and you identify more with my dad than my mum it's so interesting it's weird to dive into isn't it I was reading something recently that was talking about entrepreneurial spirit Mm. and it was basically saying that you're either born with it or you're not Mm. and I had to really disagree with that because I didn't have a fucking clue what I was doing until I was about 27 And then that was the point where I just sort of realised, okay, I I can do whatever I want, but I'd yeah. never sold eggs or, <laughs> no. or like I or had a playground business or anything yeah. like that. I'd never shown no. any entrepreneurial signs whatsoever. And what about you? Were you were you the same, or have you had um, things in the past that you've done? When I finished uni, mm. I coincidentally met David and Yona, and we started the business from there. Like, mm. so I'd never had a proper job. Like, I finished yeah. in two thousand and eight uh, okay. when the recession hit, and I was studying architecture at university. Yeah, came out couldn't get a job in architecture so I was applying for like retail jobs wasn't getting them yeah and I kind of thought like fuck where am I like I can't I've spent three years and how many thousands of pounds I can't get a job in game like working behind the tills yeah luckily met these guys and we started a business and it's kind of nine years later here we are yeah and have you done all sorts like I've worked in TK Maxx uh, Christmas temp Um, I've done you know bank fashion before it went into administration Um, I've like done fry up full English vibes I've done it all like I've always been a grafter and I'm not scared to get my hands dirty and I think that's important and that's something that like I'd never be embarrassed to say that I've done those things I think you learn a lot in those jobs that 
that you carry forward. So I only really did retail stuff and then I was training to be a primary school teacher because again, it's going back to that school thing. There were only certain jobs that I realized existed yeah. and and like retail is definitely one of them and, and yeah. being a teacher is another one because yeah. there's a teacher stood right in front of you. Yeah. Um, and so so I was pr- training to be a primary school teacher and working and working in like working in shops. But it's mad the stuff that I've brought forward that I've learned just like customer service, interacting with people, realizing how to talk to a customer properly, like potential clients, things like that. They're all skills that you do bring forward, I think. 100%. I wouldn't be the same gal if I hadn't worked at TK Maxx, (laughs) putting in a good slog. People used to barter with me on the prices. I was like, it's not a car boot (laughs) sale. They'd be like, I'll give you $5.99. I'm like, but the price tag says $7.99. So there's nothing really I can do. (laughs) But yeah, it definitely builds up your people's skills. And I, I am a genuine believer that in business, if you're gregarious and you've got that power to get on with people I think that's your secret weapon you know you no one can wants to do business with someone who is you know a bit cold you have Mm. to get on with people and that's something that that's one thing that the apprentice taught me I never realized before but getting on with people is what gets you far and it's what got me far in the show I think because everyone was too scared to bring me back into the boardroom. <laughs> no. <laughs> because people buy people, don't they? That's yeah. A, I think that's a, a kind of a cliche, but I think it's true. I 100% agree with that, yeah, definitely. Other people, like, on the show, they were just out for themselves and they weren't making the effort with anyone else and they soon went. It's about building up relationships to get a common goal in the end. And I think uh, mindset is is really important. That's something I've heard you talk about before. Can you explain to me the, the thing you said about um, if you if you think of a yellow car, oh, then yeah. when you're going out, you'll see lots of yellow cars. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, it's kind of the notion that if you're thinking about something a lot, you'll become it. You know, so if you genuinely think you'll be successful, you will be successful because you're always looking for things that will make you successful. And if you're thinking about spotting a yellow car, all you'll see that day is yellow cars. Mm. It's It's all a mindset thing you become what you believe you are that's got to come down to confidence in some respect and just backing yourself not being egotistical but just really believing that you've you've got what it takes really I've got loads of things in my mind that I I always come up with in terms of like business like there's like I'm a strong believer as well like you become the average of the five people you surround yourself with and my average five have changed recently because I really do believe that you've got to surround yourself with like-minded people. You know, if you're the smartest person in the room, then you're in the wrong room. That's cliche as well. We're having battle of the cliches over here, but it's true. <laughs> it's true. How did you find your new five? My new five? So it, it was mainly actually due to The Apprentice. The people in the house, when I first met them, I was like, God, these guys are idiots. Like, I even spending time with them, you know, I'm going to become an idiot. Um, <laughs> and I was so wrong, like, so, so wrong. Because everyone in that process is so like-minded. And, you know, not everyone is there just for business, but everyone's smart, everyone's forward-thinking and hungry. And something about this year's show was that everyone was so young. You know, the average mm. age was, like, 26. Like, that's 
very, very young. Uh, some of those people are in the top five now. And then people that I've met as a result of networking, like past winners who I'm really close with. And yeah, and I'm just being an Instagram stalker and just being like, I want to be friends with you because you inspire me. Just being ballsy. Like I'll message people and be like, hi, you free for a coffee? Like they don't know me. But I'm like, oh, I think that you can really like bounce off those people. I'm I'm a pest. I think I'm a pest. <laughs> I'm, I'm the same. Like, yeah. it, it's amazing the response you get from people as well. I think a lot of people are too scared to just say to someone like, yeah. hey, can we meet? Let's have a coffee. Let's do something together. Yeah. But yeah, if you reach out to people, you finally get a lot of yeses. Exactly. And I, you see people all the time. It's like, we could definitely be best friends. Mm. And it's just about making the leap and bringing them into the circle. Obviously, you don't, like the first time you meet them, don't bring out an application <laughs> form, like application to be in the top five, <laughs> like sign on the line. But I do come across people all the time that I'm like, wow, you are so inspiring. Like I'm good friends and I have been good friends for about five years now. Um, the owner of Manier Devoir the clothing brand he's called Reese and um back then when I was first friends with him I didn't have Milk Plus I didn't have a side hustle because that's what Milk Plus started as and I found him inspiring but I couldn't really relate to all the things that he'd post he'd be posting business things and quotes that I never really understood and now I have Milk Plus I'm, I, I appreciate him so much more and I know how hard it's been uh, for him because I know how hard it is for in business like it is so hard a lot harder than people think you know if, if it was easy everyone would do it um, but yeah it's all about the people you surround yourself with definitely he'll love that I've just given him a shout out <laughs> on here cut that bit no I'm joking <laughs> Um, would you you definitely encourage people to have a side hustle, right? Definitely, 100%. And people say, oh, I'm too busy. But you're not. It annoys me. I want to shake people. You've got 24 hours in the day. Like, that is a lot of time. Like, sleep when you're dead. You know, I'm only joking because, you know, uh, this is something as well, another topic, but you have to keep your health as well. But, yeah, like, Milk Plus started off as a side hustle. I was working five days a week and then doing it at the weekends and weekdays, evenings. And I'd still find time to like exercise or whatever. It's just how you become a master of your minutes. I think that's really important. You know, spend more time on what's going to A, reward you in terms of like your happiness and B, in terms of like not always money, but what's going to set you up for the future as well. But I think even if it stays your side hustle, like I think it's so good for your mind and you're just constantly learning. And at some point it will probably pay off the, the side hustle thing. Quite a lot of people I've noticed like recently, especially in my area, have started some kind of side hustle and it's good to see. And I think it's it's being relatable. That's something that I really wanted to put across on the show because, you know, I'm just from Blackburn and I always used to think like, oh, well, like I can't do that because like Steve Jobs is special. And he's not, he's just a normal person. Um, and a lot of people are like, well, you know, like you, you're really lucky, like you've got your own business. I'm like, I'm not lucky. I'm just, I've worked really hard for yeah. it. And you can too. It's not, business isn't for special people. It's for everyone. One million percent. A lot of people get really bogged down with that notion that it's that it's for other people. Mm. And I, I mean, you mentioned there about um, the sleep when you're dead thing. And I 100% 
advocate that. I'm reading a lot of articles at the moment. There's kind of like a backlash against, they're calling it hustle porn. Yeah. yeah. And this whole thing of like sleep when you're dead and stuff is like in the beginning, that's what you have to do. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. there's so many other hungry people that are after that spot. Yeah that if you don't work 24 seven, then it's like we were talking earlier, you're not watching Game of Thrones because you won't allow yourself because you know you'll go down that black hole and that's your focus at the moment is the business. Exactly. It's priorities, isn't it? Game of Thrones is not a priority for you. Your business is. No, I do have FOMO when when you're talking about it. But it's like one day you'll be in a situation where you have the time to do that. Whereas at the start of something, it's like if you're competing against 10 other people, you've all got the same amount of hours in a day. And if you work two more hours every day, that's a shitload every year. Exactly. And I think I also posted something the other day that made me laugh because I follow all these like boss bitch like quotes, etc. And this is, did you see it? It was like I think I saw in your morning story, yeah. routine, like wake up, cleanse, drink a litre of lemon water, burn candles, like stretch and yoga, write down goals. I was like, Huns, who's got time to do that in the morning? I barely have time to brush my hair, never mind burn oils. Like, that's not routine. That's not entrepreneurship. Like, entrepreneurship is like finding Cheerios in your hair because you haven't washed your hair because you haven't had time. That's what you have to do at the start. And I'm only just now starting to get my health back into things because I did just, I was just working every hour, God sent, but I had to do that, especially after the show. I think you've got to be smart and realise that you've got to ride the wave. You're only in that, you've only got that free PR, which is worth hundreds of thousands for a certain amount of time. And a few people after the show, they like went on holiday, which is fine, do whatever you want. But I thought it's Christmas. I don't care if I don't have a break. Now is the time. So yeah, you just have to, you, you do have to sleep when you're dead at the start. That's what we've always been a massive proponent of is capitalizing on every single opportunity Mm. that comes along. And what we would do, especially in the early days, is we would take something that was a small opportunity and just wring as much out of it and turn it into something bigger. So, I mean, a a prime example of that would be like one of the first like big name brands that we worked for was Adidas. Mm. Rather than like we could have taken the money that we made from that and maybe had to, like yeah. maybe had a holiday or, or <laughs> taken some wages. I mean, that would have been, yeah. that would have been nice, wouldn't it? It wouldn't have been enough for a holiday for each No, it wouldn't have. But, <laughs> but we would have been able to like bought, bought some super noodles for that month. Like literally it was yeah. like, but we reinvested it back into the job and we, and we emailed them and said, you know, you asked for something quite small. Do you mind if we make it like three times bigger? And we just gave them more than what they asked for and just used their own money into back into it. So then we knew that our portfolio would have something more impressive in it and, yeah. and just used it like that. So yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of like just maximizing those opportunities. Yeah, that's really smart. After the show, I had so many opportunities and part of me was like, I want to enjoy Christmas because I love Christmas. Like only stopped believing in Father Christmas three mm. years ago. And then the other <laughs> half of me was like, no, you need to just absorb everything. So I was like, just traveling everywhere, trying to get every opportunity because it's ridiculous how many there was like some of them nothing came of it but at least I tried I never said no that like I was literally the the yes person after the show and that's so true like people think you run a business and you're instantly loaded they see the word business they're like oh she must be loaded like I've got friends they're like oh you must be a millionaire now I'm like um checks bank card get Aldi <laughs> like you know it's not because you don't pay yourself you have to put it all back in like for me 
cash flow is really important because I have to with before I've even got paid because of payment terms I have to buy my next lot of product Mm. so you know I can't pay myself I've only just started now and it's absolute peanuts pardon the pun um but yeah (laughs) but I I can live off nothing because I'd like to see the business thrive and I want the business to make money not me at the start 100% it has to be the priority when 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 you're starting out Um, I think that a lot of people use the when they realize how much hard work it is they find excuses not to start and I think like one of them is definitely what we talked about like oh that's not for me or I don't see myself as that sort of person I think another excuse is I need loads of money to start up. Um, How much did you start your company up with? So £46, and that all went on nuts. So I just went to the local nut shop, which always sounds really dodgy. Um, I just (laughs) bought a load of nuts. Do you have a local nut shop? Yeah, (laughs) we did. Like in Costa del Blackburn, we've got all sorts. (laughs) Um, So I just went there and just started, you know, experimenting in the kitchen. And then I was selling the products, so I had the money coming from that and I hadn't used all the nuts so it kind of was like a snowball when I came back from Australia I was skin I literally had no money but then it was you know each carton at the start was three pounds so it was just building up the cash flow like the snowball effect it took a long time but because I was working as alongside it I was able to build and build and build and then I'm quite good at finding things cheap um, I am thrifty so it was about researching like what are nuts in this place what are nuts in this place because yeah. obviously I did it all myself at the start and I did used to get my nuts from Aldi I'll, I'll tell you and you know all all sorts of places um, wherever they were cheapest so that I could get them. Where were you finding your customers in the early days? So at the start I was pretty selfish I just was making it for myself because I couldn't find anything like it so I thought Mm -hmm. I'll make it for myself and then me being me I got carried away so before I knew it um, I'd started I always knew the name I decided that when I was in Australia I did like so let's let's, we'll we'll come back to that let's talk about Australia because that was when you you came up with the idea for the product yeah so I was working on a cow farm in Australia and it was like three hours away from the nearest town absolutely nothing there the population was about six and, um, <laughs> and as I said sucker for a freebie so was drinking loads of dairy like because I was working on a dairy farm I just I came out in a rash like all over my body like chest everywhere like um, all over my shoulders and I went and got it seen and it was put down to lactose intolerance and I'd always had like stomach cramps and like was really bloated after drinking dairy but I just loved the taste I like I love milkshakes <laughs> so I was like oh I'm prepared to suffer until I had this rash I was like no more so I went and looked around and Australia is quite futuristic in terms of the trends over there especially in the cities not really in yay which was where I was yeah so I couldn't find anything that was grab and go because I was always really busy couldn't find anything that had more than two percent nuts and the rest was just ingredients that I couldn't pronounce and nothing that was flavored and all the brand was really lacklustre. I wanted something that was going to really encourage me to go down this dairy-free path, but it was all boring. I was like, this is so dull. Why is the packaging all green? Because it's healthy. I said, well, like, where's the personality? You know, it's nuts. You can have fun with it. So I called my mum and dad and I was like, oh my God, I've come up with this really good idea. And when I get excited about something, I just talk so <laughs> fast. I'm like, blah, 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 blah. 
And they, they were like, right, yeah, okay. Really dismissive. And then obviously I came home for Christmas um, because I would have been written out of the will otherwise. Christmas is really yeah. important in my house. The plan was to go back in January because obviously I'd done my farm work, which was hell on earth. I thought there's no way I'm not doing my second year after I've done that yeah. for three months. Plot twist. Um, get home <laughs> and start implementing the nut milk because I was a little bit bored and was a bit lost as well. I didn't really know what to do with myself. So, yeah, that's when it all started. And I'm still yet to do the year, the, the next year in Australia, which I don't think is going to happen yet. Well, when you're spread out to Australia. I know. Well, that's what I keep saying. Like, you know, once we get distribution in Australia, I'll have to go and make sure things are going smoothly. <laughs> and then people are like, oh, well, you can go and like retire there when you're 30. And I'm thinking like the, the idea of retiring, everyone likes it, but then you'd get bored, wouldn't you? Yeah. What would you do? The fact that you were back for a couple of months, got bored. And yeah, it was, it was two weeks. Yeah. Literally, I was just couldn't keep still. So went to the nut shop and next thing you know, I'd create, I stayed in my room for I think five days, didn't eat, like was just like tunnel vision, set up the Instagram page. And I managed to get a really good handle actually. I'm a handle hoe. Like I'm looking <laughs> at people's handles like, damn, that handle's good. And my handle's really good. What is it? Just milk plus. These days you'd have to have like underscore milk underscore two. Yeah. Two nine, set up the Instagram, had a load of stickers made, did all the logos and branding myself, and then just started delivering it, promoting it on social media. My business wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Instagram, or it would be, but I'd be a lot further forward. I was having a reminisce on Instagram actually last night, just looking how far I'd come, because I find that's the most motivating when you look at the stuff that you used to do. <laughs> yeah, I think I saw the picture you put up of like a coming soon with like yeah. this little hand-drawn thing. Yeah, it was, yeah, a little handmade logo with coming soon, like saying uh, we'll be taking orders and delivering next week or something like that. But I used to do like 10 flavours, which was ridiculous. It used to take me like six hours. And by the end of the night, I'd literally be like propping my eyelids open with matchsticks. I'd be so tired and then I'd have work the next day. And, it, and I've got a private number plate on my car. And I remember on The Apprentice, Claude was like, why are you spending money on an expensive number plate? And it was genuinely like 200 quid. Like it was nothing because it only means something to me. Yeah, I used to just go around delivering it in the milkmobile, honk the horn when I was there. <laughs> Modern day milkmaid. That's what everyone saw. So you're, you're finding your customers via Instagram? Yeah, that's that's how I was at the start. And it was it was people in my area because I was quite fit and healthy then, people did used to ask me for advice on stuff. So when you're posting a product that's not actually available, I didn't make it available for a, like a week or two. I just was posting it for myself, teasing people. And then it got to the point where that many people were messaging friends and things, yeah. saying, I want to try it. That thought, why don't I start making it for other people? And it wasn't until I started posting about it that I realised that there really was a demand. It wasn't just me that was looking for something that was um, dairy-free and really just clean. And I think the fact it was homemade really helped at the start, all created by me. And my community, it's quite nice. You know, everyone wants what other people are having as well. Mm -hmm. It's the whole, oh, well, if she's drinking that, like, um, oh, Hannah's drinking it and Hannah's really cool and pretty. You know, it was like that kind of thing. 
but it's not been without its obstacles. Goodness me, I'm like, I'm surprised I've not poisoned people, to be honest. <laughs> not now, like back in the day when I made it my kitchen. <laughs> Did you have any sort of cookery experience or anything or you're just experimenting? No, so I did home egg at GCSE <laughs> and I'm not very good at cooking. Rhiannon Lambert was like, oh, do you want to do like breakfast with Rhee? And I was like, if I can do beans on toast, yeah. That's another thing, like people just assume because I'm good at making nut milk, that I'm good at like, making everything else. Yeah. Like Everyone's like, you must be wifey material. I'm like, fuck no, literally. <laughs> that's um, what milk all the time. Yeah, that's all I'm good at, like <laughs> in terms of cooking and baking. So no, I've got no experience in terms of that I'm just quite good with flavours and I know what goes together and I know what people my age looking for something wanted because I was the target customer and I think that made it really like a lot simpler I can never understand why people build a business or set up a business when they aren't looking for that themselves I think you have a head start if you're solving a problem to something yeah 100% agree so I think what a lot of our guests have done is they've had an idea and then they've thought What's the quickest way for me to get... Because basically you've got to get attention. Mm. Where if you have a new idea or a new business or a service, you have to get people to... You have the idea, then you have to get people to believe in the idea. And that... So you've got to get as many eyeballs on you as possible. And I think we've spoken to a few guests who've worked out how can I do that as quickly as possible? And so you came up with the harebrained idea of going on The Apprentice. Yes, yes. But it was all with your business in mind, right? Yeah, definitely. It was never for egotistical reasons because I think that's when you go into a different category of people that are kind of associated with the show for just, you know, wanting to go on to boost their profile. But it was never for that. I've always loved the show. I've always been an Apprentice super fan. But it wasn't until I actually had a business of my own that I ever considered applying. Because I could have applied years before if I wanted to like I might not have got on probably not but it was only when I had the business that I thought you know what this is the next logical step you know there's 250,000 to play for and um, obviously it's an amazing platform my goal was always to get to final five because that's when your business gets showcased but to be honest completely honest I did not think I would get on it it was kind of a bit of a just a stab in the dark applying and then it just came round to it and I was getting through and getting through but still like in the last stages I came away thinking oh you know and I'm quite loud but you go in those um auditions and I was like the quietest one and I was thinking oh my gosh like where are these people from um so I came away feeling quite disheartened and then obviously I got the call which was fab yeah tv does bring out the weirdies doesn't it yeah yeah really weird like I saw it came across some really funny people as well there was one girl called Tracy in my group it was like a group session this was like right um, near the end when this was like the last 70 because like thousands of people apply yeah. and they kind of whittle you so down yeah 60,000 to start Whoa. then it goes down to I can't remember maybe like 400 then it goes down to like 70 then it goes down to like psychological evaluations from people just to check you not a complete crazed maniac going into a house full of people but there was one girl Tracy I remember her very well and she was really quiet but she she um they went round the circle saying oh who do you think the failure of the task is down to and the woman forgot to ask Tracy on the end and she 
like put her hand up like you forgot to ask me and the woman was like well who would you think and she was like I think it's down to me and I was like <laughs> Tracy you don't say that oh, so alas like we didn't see that's Tracy. Apprentice 101 always yeah. pass the blame I, know. <laughs> I was like I just looked at her like why would you say you like God and she like started crying and I was like wow where are these people from there was all sorts of people yeah it was it was an experience and I had to sacrifice a lot for the even the stages like I flew home from the Caribbean after two days flight was like 14 hours you nearly didn't right yeah nearly didn't because my mum and dad I was it was a family holiday because we hadn't been away for ages together we hadn't been able to get the time and they were like oh don't bother like look where you are all inclusive buffet you know you can eat all day and I do like my food so I was like yeah yeah you're right (laughs) and then um I spoke to my best friend and she was like you know what Mills she was like you should just do it because imagine if you if you don't do it and on the day of the auditions you'll just be thinking I should imagine like if you last minute thought I should have gone and it's too late because you're hours and hours away so I just went for it awful turbulence on the flight sat next to someone who like gave me no armrest whatsoever I was literally like this and then when I landed, I had no suitcase. So I had no clothes for the audition the next day. They lost it? Yeah, they lost it. Ended oh, up in Toronto. Chance? I was like, how has this <laughs> happened? And then at Miami airport, um, they wouldn't let me through because I didn't have an Esther. So I had to start crying. Oh. Like, I was crying my eyes out. Last on the plane, everyone was like booing me. I was like, oh. And then I had to go and buy a jumpsuit that was so expensive. It was from Reese. It was like 420 quid left the the labels on and then returned it the day after (laughs) and some girl was like oh you've left your label on shall I pull it out I was like do not touch this label (laughs) that is one step away from bankruptcy if she was to take it off so it was a journey to get there so I think they felt sorry for me they were like this girl's been through hell we'd best give her a place (laughs) What, what stage was that down to the 70 was that yeah that was the 70 is that the final round before they make yeah so the final round before you are assessed by a psychologist and they had reserves I don't think anyone was a reserve my year though I think everyone when you're given that opportunity well actually so James White who was on it last year he'd applied the year before and said oh no I don't want to do it so his year who was the reserve Sarah Lynn was the reserve and she won so wow. just proves, you know, don't um, ever underestimate yourself. But yeah, everyone from my year did it. There was no reserves. And is the psychologist to, to make sure that you can hack it? Because the, the program's yeah. quite intense, isn't it? Yeah, like you see a snapshot of what goes on in that house. It is very, very intense. Yeah, so there, I thought it was to check whether whether you were, you know, an all right person or whatever, but it genuinely was to check if you were strong enough to go in there. Yeah. Like Tracy would have cracked in, yeah. you know, really soon. You're away from home. You haven't got a phone. You're not told when you're woken up in the morning. You have to share a room with a complete stranger and they've picked people on purpose that they think are going to clash you're not told where you're going Uh, you're woken up at 3 in the morning you don't go to bed till like 12 
and you never know what is going on behind the scenes. Sometimes the, there's things that are planted and you just have no control over over what you're doing. So it is. it was really intense. I, I thought it was going to be hard because the producer said, you know, this, yeah. I'm not exaggerating, he said, like, this is really hard um, and it will break you if you're not mentally strong enough. Um, and I was like, Phew, yeah, I've watched the show, but it's so much harder than you what think. What kind of time frame is it filmed over? So it's eight weeks yeah it'd be two months but I thought I would go home in like the first week so I wore all my nice clothes (laughs) and then I was like oh god I've worn all my best stuff so I had nothing to wear for like final five nothing to wear for the final because I'd worn all my stuff yeah me and Daniel both did the same because we both thought we were going in week one I looked when you see the filming when the candidates come into the um, waiting area to go into the boardroom that's the first time you see them they keep you separate like they keep you in like little like chambers you feel like you're about to be executed because there's literally like curtains you can feel people moving and you're like who's that because they want it to be authentic so I was like looking around like oh my god these people are terrifying like I'm quite a smiley person but you have to stand like sit there and look really serious and I kept like looking around like smiling and no one was smiling back it was yeah really terrifying the only person that I'd seen in the auditions was Coyote Mm -hmm. and Tom all the rest of them I'd never seen before which is interesting because there was a few in my group that I thought you're definitely going to be on the show and they weren't. Do you think they choose younger people because, or or certainly did for this season, like to try and get some more, I guess, fights and arguments? Because you guys actually got on pretty well, didn't you? Yeah, we got on really well. We're like a big dysfunctional family. Uh, There was obviously a few personalities that clashed, but I think they chose younger to maybe broaden the audience as well because it was in the newspaper, like uh, Apprentice or Love Island. And I reckon the producers probably like that because it does widen the audience. You've got the people that watch it that are a little bit older and then by making the people younger makes them more um, kind of approachable and relatable maybe for wider audiences. But yeah, I was surprised when I saw everyone. I thought I'd be the youngest by a mile and I was like towards the the bottom. So I was 22, but Alex Finn, he went week four. Um, He was 21, which is really, really young. People always think that I'm a lot older. I've had someone say I look 37 before. How bad is that? I need to use your your moisturiser. <laughs> I'm 23. I was like, wow, that's a joke. But yeah, it was a fab experience. I would maybe it's just because you're it. quite mature. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah, we'll we'll go with that one. Because I mean, I I like like I said earlier, I had no fucking clue what I was doing until I was 27. Yeah, I'm literally just tripping through life. <laughs> yeah, not on drugs, but no, <laughs> just stick Larry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh that yeah that is funny and now so obviously you've been in in that realm for so it'll be 10 years yeah coming up too, yeah. yeah wow that is amazing a decade yeah. wow Mad. that that is cool and you, have you when did you see the most progress like is it just was it just like a up and down thing because that's what i find in business like you can have the most extreme ups and then also like the biggest downs We've we've opened a new business every two years, yeah. um, which is ridiculous and <laughs> stressful. Yeah, it's a hard one because in terms of growth, I'd I'd kind of go down to mental growth because I feel like mm. that's the most important thing. And at the start, it was hell of like a 
just go for it. Try all these different things. You've no idea what you're doing. Yeah. Straight away. Yeah. So I think obviously you grow really, really quickly then. But then I'd say in the past like year or two, just by consuming more kind of like intellectual content, like reading books and Mm. becoming a very different person in that sense. So instead of just trying it for yourself, which is kind of what we did at the start, and you just be finding little bits on the internet here and there, like, oh, that's a good bit of advice. That's a bit. Now, like fully, like I've always got an audio book on, like I've got a Spotify account that I hardly ever listen to because I've just got Audible on all the time of just like, just learning constantly. So I think, yeah, almost those two different bits is like the first two years and the last two years are probably like the the biggest growth points yeah no I completely agree with that and some days don't you just feel like amazing and then other days you're like oh shit like that's a really big setback and as a business owner you don't have the time to dwell on the things that go wrong for long that's something that I've learned and had to adapt to you know if you're dwelling on it that's that's going to make it worse. You have to be so nimble to changes and and improvements. Like I've had so many things go wrong in the last like like few months since I've launched my retail ready product that I've just had to quickly, you know, recover from and and basically just try and rectify. But it's so true like the life of an entrepreneur is literally ups downs ups downs um no two days are the same but that's what i like like do you think you two could be employed now like if do you think who would employ you what do you reckon i think i think we could could both yeah we could both walk into and we'd walk into jobs where we'd be paid more than we are now yeah for sure for sure Yeah. yeah but I just wouldn't want to do it. it and you can't see it happening. It would, like, it would be such a weird thing because I feel like I'd just go in somewhere and I couldn't go in somewhere with a big team because I'd want things to change quickly if I yeah. saw a problem. Yeah. And like um, my housemate actually, like she went to work for a, a bigger company from where she was before yeah. and was like, oh, can we change this to the website? And yeah. they were like, there's no point. She's like, what do you mean there's no point? Yeah. She's like, that's probably like three or four months worth of going through circles. Yeah. So it's just like mass frustration. I think I'd, I'd go mad doing that. Yeah. I think, and if going to a smaller business, I'd just be then, I'd probably like try and take over. You do all the work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's so true. I think what's nice is if I'm being honest, like I could be employed. I'm not unemployable. I, I, I agree with you two. If I was to be employed by someone, I'd be on a a shitload because you know you've got a specific set of skills but it is nice to know that you know you you would be you'd be okay but I don't think it's something that I could ever do now I think once you get a taste for it even if something fails or doesn't do well I think I'd set something else up yeah myself yeah Um, if what we're doing now failed yeah I'll just find something else to start yeah. like it well, we've got so many other businesses if any one of them failed we just go double down on the, the on another yeah. one so it's like that's really good what I struggle with and what I've had to really try and um, streamline recently is I come up with new business ideas all the time mm. so I'm always buying domains and it's really hard like I've been doing Milk Plus for less than two years and I love it and I wouldn't change it and it's not like a hobby or anything it's something I'm passionate about but I'm constantly thinking of other things but I do I read something recently 
it was from good to great and it was the hedgehog and the fox um so the fox is good at lots of things um not one particular thing so he doesn't have focus the hedgehog is good at one thing protecting itself and it thrives and i think that i was in danger of being a bit of a fox like i was just wanting to do loads of different things but by being a hedgehog you will do better at the start at least i think you've got to build up um your business that you've you've put in all your time into and then obviously go down other routes but I have got loads of ideas and it's so frustrating because I'm like oh I could probably do that quite well but for now I just got to know that I think for now I have to focus on Milk Plus. Yeah. It is easier for us as well because there are three of us yeah. so we can we can delegate and, and yeah. be focusing on different areas at different times yeah, so that, definitely. that does help whereas whereas you're on your own so yeah. that's, that makes things tougher but just write them down in a book have a little ideas book yeah. and you can always come back exactly. to them and you can keep growing and adding to the idea and till it becomes something where you're just like this is going to be something and then yeah. you can and it's all stuff all the ideas come from it, they are they're inspired by milk plus because i've obviously become very interested in the market the grab and go and it, there's so many things that i'm always looking for that aren't there that should be you know at the front of boots in train stations places like that to pick up but also you know you guys have been going you know 10 years i'm, I'm like it's fab that you've got loads of different things and you can you can delegate the biggest thing for me was taking people on like that was the hardest thing yeah. like nobody cares for us nobody cares about your business as much as you when it gets to five o'clock that's them done and that's what I can't get in my head being able to just switch off at five like when you employed your first person like how was that like they'll probably listen to this so (laughs) it it was it was really scary wasn't it I think that was that was uh because then all of a sudden you're responsible for someone else Mm. um as well as your as well as yourself because we were some some months we were having we were having trouble making rent for ourselves yeah. let alone yeah. let alone having someone, someone else, else. Yeah, but we realized by bringing our first member of staff in that would essentially bring in more cash which would then yeah benefit yeah. all of and us i think like having that confidence of like well we've got this member of staff now they have to be paid yeah that's first thing out of anything they have to be paid yeah. and we kind of have to take that risk and sacrifice on ourselves to think like well we might not get paid this month then yeah. but by investing in this person that's going to grow our business yeah but I think there was definitely like a, a struggle at the start of not understanding why someone doesn't care about your business as much as you do yeah. it's like having a baby I suppose it's like <laughs> yeah you can show your baby to someone else and they'll be like oh that's cute but I don't want it yeah I don't want to hold <laughs> yeah. it or interact with it yeah that's what I've really really struggled with and I'd, I end up just being like you know what I'll do it and then it's like well that defeats the object yeah. of having someone so I still do all the social media myself like all the PR all like the product development all the packaging stuff like that because I'm not willing to pass that over just yeah. yet but other stuff you've got it really a skill in business is to identify where your strengths are and where your weaknesses are so for me you know logistics in terms of like my chilled distribution center You've got to um, allow other people, the experts, to you yeah. know, to be to organise shipments to retailers and things. Because it, what would I could do it, but it would take me months to learn, yeah. and in that time, it's too late. You know, you're too behind. So you know, identify your strengths and really um, capitalise on those is what I've really learned. But the team is, you know, as the team grows, the business does grow by default, and then you're thinking, how did I ever do all this myself? Yeah. 
like we've now got this many people and we still need more people and with obviously more people and it gets bigger there's more costs and it's just like wow but like I just had my recently I've had two payments now from Holland and Barrett and I was just like oh my god this is amazing you know you finally seeing the the fruits of your your work really because for ages in business you don't see anything back especially in the food and kind of beverage industry because of payment terms you're not really seeing anything for a while but now I'm starting to see that you know the business is is you know profitable it's it's going really well and that's motivating in itself because obviously I haven't paid myself for ages so it's like why am I doing this yeah. like, I'm not earning any money yeah. but you are your business is but you personally aren't you're on the show and you didn't think you were going to get very far. You thought you were going to get kind of eliminated straight away. Yeah. But then you end up in the kind of final two. Yeah. And you actually kind of at that stage, you were like, I think I prefer to be number two, right? Yes. Yeah. And that's something nobody ever believes. And I'm like, why oh, I would I say it? 100%. Why would I yeah. say it? You know, yeah. like I, so when I was on the show, um, when I was in the final, I wanted to win. Do not get me wrong. Like I wanted to win there and then because I'm competitive. However, you go away, you film two endings where you win when you don't. And then you've got a few months. That's insane, by the way. I know. <laughs> he was like, you're going to be my business partner. I was like, yay. He was like, you're not going to be my business partner. I was like, <laughs> like, what do I do? Do you know? Really weird. Is that because you didn't know who was going to be the winner? So if yeah. they just record it one way, then you could tell people who was gonna win yeah so and also he doesn't know who's won then because right. ah. this is the crucial bit that no one sees in fact I probably shouldn't say this I'm like this is what I mean by verbal <laughs> diary I'm sorry <laughs> um uh, so the bit you don't see is when the show finishes you've then got however many months it is until the show airs where you've got to do another business plan to show Lord Sugar you meet him twice in that time to show him your progress so obviously I had three months to bring a product from what I was making in my kitchen it was in cardboard cartons with a shelf life of three days to a retail ready product I knew I had to have that number one to show him but number two um, to be able to sell for that final because I knew that sales would go wild so I went for a meeting and you know we were talking and I'd got the the like sketches of what it was going to look like and that was fab I still wanted to win then then I went to the second meeting and I had my retail ready product and I'd done all the work for it I'd spent all the money myself and it was then that I was like oh my gosh like I've done it all myself like I do not want to win it's like you don't need no I've got the utmost respect for him as a businessman like I've always idolized him I've read both of his books you know I've like been a super fan of the show but I just thought it's something that's so new so like cool and quirky that I didn't want to dull the sparkle as well you know strip back the personality and that's what I felt was going to happen and I just thought you know I'm, I'm I was 22 it is a bit of a life sentence, not in a, a bad way, yeah. um, but I think for the right person, it's an amazing thing. Like for Sean, I could not have been happier for her because I felt like she really needed it, not just because of the money, but because of the platform. Like I felt like she needed it more than me. 
I needed the money, but I didn't need the expertise, if that makes sense, in terms of... Because he had contacts in terms of manufacturing uh, clothing, but not really in, in the drinks realm. And I'd done all that. Yes. So I, I genuinely was going to bed and I was worried. I was, was waking up in the middle of the night like, oh, my gosh, like I cannot win. Um, and it was really stressing me out. And it, I remember on the day that I got told, um, the producers were all in the room when he called me. And I remember thinking, like, why is there everyone around? Like, I'm going to have to, like, really pretend that I'm bothered. <laughs> so I was like... And obviously, like, it's hard because I'm competitive, so I wanted to win, but not for the right reasons. So he said, oh, Sean's going to be my business partner. And I said, I'm so thankful for the opportunity. You know, you've changed my life, which sounds cliche, but it's true. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> you know, they were like, are you all right? And I was like, I'm fine. You know, it is what it is. And... um they were like, do you want to call your mum and dad? So I called dad and I was like, oh, you know, I, they were still in the room. And he was, he, he said that he was on the train with my mum and he got off the phone and he was, he said to my mum, like, I think we might have got it wrong. Maybe she did want to win because she sounded quite upset. And then I sent him a text. I was like, producers all in the room, absolutely buzzing. And he was like, oh, thank God, you know. Um, but I'm so thankful to like all of that. You know, I learned so much from Lord Sugar, from Karen, from Claude. Like I said, I was just a sponge. And I think he saw something in me. He knew I was hungry and he knew I would be fine. Um, so I'm really glad that I didn't win in that sense because I've got it means I've got full control of decisions and things. And I, I did genuinely get on really well with Sean and I wanted her to win in the end. And I knew in the pit of my stomach, I knew that she would win, I think, because he knew how to, to scale that business um, more more than, than mine, I think. So yeah, but what a roller coaster, literally. I think the best thing that came out of that was forcing you within three months to go yeah. from kitchen to shelf yeah. ready. Yeah. How did you do that? Oh, it was so hard. Like I had no social life at all. And that was partly because as well, I didn't really want to go out because people were suspicious about where I'd been and you had to keep it a secret. And I thought, I can't lie, I'm a really bad liar. My eyes go left and I'm like, oh. <laughs> So I was sweating profusely. So I just, literally, I did not leave the house. Like, I had cabin fever so badly, but it all started. So you had, I had a decision to make. If I'd have decided there and then that I didn't want to win, I probably wouldn't have gone through all the, the stuff to bring it to retail. Um, so I think it was good that I really wanted to win at the start because it made me really, you know, push ahead. Yeah. And then I started to realise that I needed it to be ready for the final as well. So it started off with research, researching suppliers. And I can't tell you the amount of samples and things that I got back because it was really difficult because it wasn't like I could, it was a white labelling job. It was my product that I had to give the recipe, get them to sign an NDA and recreate it. So if it had been white label, it would have been easy. But I needed the USP of the, the business was that it was flavoured and gourmet flavoured and nobody would touch it in the UK because nuts are seen as contaminated. So no one would touch it in the UK. And so then, just to explain why labelling is yeah. where you've already got a product and you put your, your yeah. branding over the yeah. top of it. That would have been the dream. Yeah. But I knew that I couldn't compromise on like taste. I couldn't compromise on what was in it. And a lot of the, the businesses, they, the companies, they had just loads of shit in them and yeah. it had to be clean. So I, had to, I went to loads and loads of shows, couldn't find any, had loads of samples. I had one sample from Thailand. I said, dairy-free. 
free, like, you know, whatever, whatever base. They sent me dairy milk flavoured with almond. I was like, <laughs> oh my God, imagine if I sold that, like it's dairy. Oh, so, um, and I didn't want to, I could have easily brought a, an almond milk to the market because that's so easy to do. But another USP was that it was different nuts. So like I needed hazelnuts, I needed cashews, I needed walnuts. I didn't want almond because everyone was doing it. Mm-hmm. So it was literally so hard. And then I finally found a supplier that I'd actually written off earlier on because I thought it was too far. And then I flew over to their um, uh, their manufacturing place and had to recreate my flavours, source the flavouring all myself, you know, change the, the nut content, change what was in it to make sure it was clean and God, like, and there was obviously a language barrier. So I was like, oh my gosh, like, took And a- even just getting the ingredients, like, I know when I'm abroad oh. trying to, like, just cook yeah. dinner and you go yeah. around a foreign supermarket, yeah. everything's different. Oh, it was really hard, but they are amazing, really, really good. And it's it was the only place that I could find that would let me create the product that I'd created in my kitchen but on a a larger scale and that's what I needed to do because you can't build up a customer base offer them one product then you bring it to market the product's not the same I needed the high nut content I needed the flavours I needed the packaging I needed the shelf life like my product's got four months now if unopened which is a godsend I'm working on making it more as well but that took a long time I was having to post stuff to me all the time try it see if it was off most of the time it was I think oh, I spent wow. most of the time <laughs> ill I've got a thick, stu- a thick stomach what's that a strong <laughs> stomach a strong stomach so I was alright but it was it was n- like when people say oh you're so lucky like I'm like I am not lucky at all I've just worked really really hard and I always forget I like talking about this because I forget how I've actually yeah. come to it and anyone who knows me when you get to know me, you'll see when you read, when I give you presents afterwards, that the, all the packaging, like the tone of voice, it's just me, like in bottle form. Everyone always says that. And I did all that myself because I was too stingy to pay for anyone. <laughs> <laughs> but by, by doing it all yourself, you've kept your character. And I think you've, yeah. you've decided never to outsource being you to someone else. Exactly. And that's what many people make the mistake of doing it, be, it you're so hungry to make it a big business yeah. fuel your ego get you know the headquarters or whatever that you lose sight of what actually sold the business in the first place but luckily for me I've got talented friends so I worked on the packaging um, with my, my best friend and it was an opportunity for him you know to work with me to bring a product yeah. to the retail so that's huge for him and then my best friend is the face of the brand because I thought she's fit you know why would I get a model in when I've got a fit friend and she loves that she goes in places she's like my face is there so it's just a nice little milk plus community which is is how I like it instead of you know just hiring people you might not see again and you went pink with the the design yeah so I, I that was a big decision for me because obviously People are quite traditional in that pink is for girls, blue is for boys. But then I was thinking, you know, it's 2019 now. Why are those stereotypes in place? It doesn't matter. It doesn't make you less of a man if you spotted with a pink milk. And I kind of like wanted to play on that anyway. I had loads of illustrations that I could kind of target that. So like real men aren't scared of a little pink, you know, stuff like that. And then 
there was nothing on the shelf that was pink that stood out because people were too afraid to go pink. And the whole idea of the brand is that it's bold. We're not, we're rebels really, in line with the podcast. So I just thought, because I was going to change it to like orangey. And then I thought, no, I'm just going to stick to what I know works, what I know from my test sales is sold. And when you look at the online sales, because obviously I don't know from Holland and Barrett if it's a boy or a girl buying it, but online is pretty equal. Mm. And followers on Instagram, you know, I think it's 60% female, 40% male, which isn't a bad split at all. Um, So, yeah, I just wanted it to be for everyone. It doesn't matter, you know, who who it is. You don't have to be vegan. You don't have to be dairy-free. You just have to be willing to try something. And I think that's something that people often mistake with my product because I do sometimes get, like, angry vegans messaging me, like, um, you know, like, this isn't, isn't this run by vegans? Like, why, blah, 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 and all this. And I'm like, yeah, it doesn't matter, like, who I am or anything. It's just for anyone who wants to mix and match things because that's the way that that the world is moving at the minute. It's been pink from the start and I'm glad that I've, I've stuck at pink. Yeah, I'm glad. And I think, yeah, standing out on the shelf is is huge. Mm. And I think if you had a team of, of branding experts, they probably would have said like, oh no, well, you know, no yeah. one else has gone pink and they would have advised you against it. Yeah. Do you think that, I guess, business inexperience is actually a good thing yeah sometimes I do because you don't overthink it whereas when you're with experts um, they're sometimes a little bit too cautious and they're planning things through and things get over complex just strip it back you want it to be different tick is there anything on the shelf that's that colour no tick that's what I did yeah genuinely it was that simple it wasn't because I'm like a branding expert although I think I said that on the show a few times like even though I'm absolutely not (laughs) um I just was lucky that I well I wasn't lucky actually that's not my least favorite word I just went for it because there was nothing like it yeah but a few people like my mum and dad were saying I think you need to change it from being pink and I just said I appreciate your opinion well, I wasn't that polite. <laughs> um, but I'm going to stick with pink. I'm sorry. I'm sticking to my guns on this one. If no one buys it, it's on me. At least I've got nobody else yeah. to blame but myself. So, yeah, you can have a proper look at it afterwards. Lots of nut puns. <laughs> I have so much fun with them. <laughs> so you've been doing some workshops with with younger people, younger startups. How's, how's that been? Yeah, so that's gone really well. They've just been small for now, you know, like small groups of people that I've come across in like colleges and things like that. So I've been to Burnley College now um, and that was a really good session. And now I'm just, what I want to do is now that the second product's launched, I've got a little bit more time uh, before I go for the next product that I want to dedicate to kind of giving back a little bit what like what you guys do. You know, you're providing something that you wish you had. And that's what I want to do because it, nothing, nothing makes me feel better than when people are like, you know, this is inspiring. And if you can, you know, share your story with younger people and inspire them, then you, they're going to be the entrepreneurs of the future. Yeah, I want to start maybe doing like a big one somewhere, finding an event, like finding a venue, do free tickets. I'll suck up the cost for, you know, the venue and then just doing like an intensive one hour workshop just to try and inspire people. Well, let's talk. Maybe we'll do something together because um, yeah. I, I fucking love those things. Like yeah. I, I get yeah. so much energy from from mm. that. Like literally I was at that event that we did the other week. Yeah. I, I was just 
in this, like I saw there was just this circle of kids, um, like I say kids, they're all like 19 to I think 21. Mm. And I could just tell that that was the hungry side of the room. Yes. There was, I, so I was chairing a panel um, and one of the one of the guests on there was Stormzy's manager. Like as soon as he came off stage, just got mobbed by this group. Yeah. Mm. And so I was like floating around the room, talking to a few people. And then I just saw that no one else was floating from that area. And uh. it was just this one group that was just like, just like grilling. So I went over and then I kind of started throwing some stuff in. And then we just had this amazing conversation and just, like, and a few of them followed me on Insta afterwards and like, and messaged me and was just like, oh, I'm doing this, this and this because of what yeah. you said. I fucking love that. How, like, it gives me goosebumps yeah. like talking about it. Like this is the best thing that's come out of the show for me is when people message and like, I, I do always voice the negative ones because I think that sometimes people just need to be shown for the knobs that they are. But then I never show the nice things because I think I don't want to post people saying nice things about me because it's egotistic but so many people are saying you know I gave up my you know my little side business because of this but now that I've seen this and you know you've shown me that it's not going to be easy and you don't just show the be- the good bits in business now I'm starting and it's doing really well and it just makes me feel so good um, so workshops are definitely something that are high on the list and, you know, being able to relate to someone is really good. You know, in, in the workshops, often yeah. they're like 21, like I'm 23. So it's good for them to see that it's, you know, it's not far off. And I've not been working on it for ages. It's been like two years. So it's it's doable. And that's, a, that's the thing that I think people need to bridge the gap. Like you can do it. Yeah. And a lot of people in my area, like... Um, uh, my friend said, oh, I'm 25. People don't tend to succeed till they're 30, so I've got five years. And I was like, oh, my God. I was like, don't just, like, wait till you're 30 and then think, oh, I can be successful now because everyone else is at 30. Like, break the the stereotypes, break the the moulds that there are. And I think that that's, that's what I really want to get across to people in school. Don't be afraid to fail because, like, I've just put myself out there. If I was to fail, like, it's everyone's going to see it, but you've just got to be brave, I think, and just be pushed a little bit because at school I don't think you pushed enough but it is interesting actually going back to school and business so we had to do a business plan when I was in sixth form and that's probably the most synergy there's been throughout between schooling and the real business world and I only realized this like a few months ago because me and my dad were talking about it my business plan and I cannot believe like how I, I didn't realize this but when I was at sixth form so my business plan was a milkshake bar called Udderly Smooth so it was dairy but grab and go like milkshakes yeah. and now obviously I'm doing dairy free like milkshakes because you kind of you've had a shift but never in my mind was I thinking back to sixth form when I'd done that it didn't even occur to me so I find that like mind-blowing I was trying to find it on my laptop but my desktop's an absolute joke um I think whenever I open it everyone's like how do you live like that but that is like really mind-blowing when you when you talk to the young people like what's what do you think the main thing is that's like holding them back Uh, I think it's fear a lot of the time and I think it's because they don't know, they haven't got the knowledge or they think that they need to have a certain set of skills before even trying. Mm. Um, But 
when I, before I even started, I didn't feel like I was good at anything. You're just constantly trialing things and making mistakes. And I think they're just like in these workshops, I'd love to just give them, like ask them, like, what are you passionate about? What do you think like could make you money? What do you enjoy? And then see if there's something like a common thing. Um, and then ask like, is there anything in this realm that doesn't exist that you've been looking for? Um, and even if they don't think of anything, it's food for thought and they go away and think about it and it might come. And even if out of one of those workshops, if two people just start a side hustle, that's a success, yeah. I think. So, yeah, it's just planning logistics and things like where you do it, because obviously I'm up north, but I do have a lot of people that message me from all over the place. But I am keen to do it because I think you you get a lot out of it yourself, um, not in terms of like business or anything like that, but just feeling good about yourself. I think it's good to do it in the north as well, though, to just yeah, to have that because there's a there's a lot happening in the south, yeah. and it's yeah. it's good that people are trying to do some stuff in the north. Yeah, well. I think a lot probably, of people would use it as an excuse as well. Like, I'm not in London, so yeah. I can't do that. I've noticed that a lot. A lot of people say, you know, well, if you're doing it up north, it's probably not going to work. It is. People do think it's a lot harder. And then some people, they like they have come up with a business and then they'll like move down south. And I'm like, no, why not try and sell it to your back door where you've got your supporters and then take it down south if you want to. I don't see myself moving down south at all because it's a, a short train anyway. If I was to do a workshop, I'd probably do it in Manchester or something like that in the hub and then uh, the southerners can travel if they're really keen i think that the north south divide i think that's a, a real thing and that's why i think that the final me and sean was really you know it's going to go down in history that because it was an all-female we were both 20 well I, I, she was 25 i was 22 and from blackburn and leeds mm -hmm. so you know that doesn't happen every day does it and even to have got to the final i just think that's that's amazing um, but it is it's funny how the public obviously at that point when there's only two are commenting on everything like wow it was uh, that was intense luckily I've got thick skin otherwise it could break you because yeah. think about it I was a 22 year old girl mm -hmm. and you have all these people like commenting on everything and you're just thinking like wow people are nasty and I lived in a bit of a bubble I think before The Apprentice I thought everyone was nice everyone um, you know wanted to see others do well and then I went on The, the Apprentice <laughs> and I was like wow <laughs> I said to my friends, I was like, people aren't nice. Like, really? That's why I'm, like, blocking people all the time. And they don't even say things that are really bad, but I'm just like, block, block, block. Because, yeah, that's that's one thing that I'm a little bit bitter about on the show is that they they ruined my idyllic idea of the world. But then again, I think it's I've become more of a realist. They, they don't prepare you for the negative Absolutely not. Yeah. No. Like, you, you go... You go in and, you know, I had 1,900 followers, something like that. And then each week you get more and more people watching your stories, more and more people replying to your stories. Like still on Instagram now, I'm on 99 plus, like I still haven't, I never get that down. And I'm trying to like reply to people that are being nice. But 
it comes to a point where you realize you can't reply to everyone and if you do that's time away from your business so I always have to say like I really appreciate you know the nice comments but business has to come first like I'm really thankful and then it's the big owls of the world who send me shit that get all the airtime though it's yeah I find it really bizarre how people can say nasty things though because I never ever would I'd never type it anyway if I'm watching like the apprentice <laughs> in the past course I would have been like what an idiot whatever but I'd never like physically type like something nasty about someone I think people don't realise it's a real person that they're yeah. actually interacting with we have yeah. all of this access to yeah. anyone and before when you watch TV they were like when we were growing up that was like oh that's a person on TV you can't like you can't talk to a person yeah, on yeah. TV yeah. unless you know their agent that, oh that's true whereas that's now it's like oh there's a person on TV let me just tell them how I feel about them right now yeah but they're so direct they will literally tag your username and on Twitter I haven't got that many followers because I only just got it just a little bit before the show so I always I tend to see them I don't miss them but I um, had to tell my mum off a few times because she'd reply to people like she was so cute someone had said like Camilla is an an insufferable P-R-I-C-K um, and um, she replied and was like oh Steve what a delightful tweet for all seven of your followers to enjoy and I was like go on Mumsworth and then she like replied to people like bore off <laughs> like bore off I was like mum you're making it worse and she's so funny like all my mum like my mum on Twitter is Mumsworth um, my dad is Neilsworth uh, my sister is Madsworth and and like people used to call me Millsworth, so it's like you, you should, people know who it is. Things that annoy me is when people know nothing about you, but think that they they know things yeah. from a one hour show mm-hmm. you don't see it all like if you've done well on a task that will not be shown if you've called an airline jet pop that will be shown you know yeah it's one of those things so yeah but it was it was tough and I feel like I've had to grow up a lot from the show like I was already mature so when I went in the show I was a 22 year old but probably like a 30-year-old. Now I'm like an 80-year-old. Like, <laughs> I've aged loads because you just you just grow up and realise a lot of things. So on that note, where can people find you online to where? leave you nice comments? Oh, yes. Okay, so um, at Camilla Ainsworth is Instagram, which is my best place, really. That's my fave hunting ground. And then Twitter, Camilla Ainsworth as well. And then milkplus.com for the nut juice which you two juice. will get to enjoy after this podcast. I'm looking forward to it. Six, 6% nuts, right? Yes, 6% which nuts is... and 99.9% sass. Boom. Wow. Yeah. Let's get sassy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank no you so, problem. so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We're trying to help a lot of people with this show, so we need your help to grow the community and spread our message. If you know someone who'd benefit from hearing what we talked about today, or they just need a little nudge in the right direction, pass this podcast on to them. If you want to hear more, then subscribe to us on iTunes. And if we helped you with anything, we'll really love you forever if you can leave us an iTunes review. It makes a huge difference. See ya.